0: Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. And I'm Az How are you doing?
1: It has been a week. Yeah, <laughs> It has yeah. been kind of crazy. So this is the first That's... week back from my vacation. Mm-hmm. So this pa- whole past week, I've been off. So let's start there. Yeah.
0: Because good things happen.
1: Good things did happen. Let's
0: start there. Yes. How was your week off?
1: The week off was great. And I accomplished what I wanted, which was to finish the first draft of the manuscript for Wild Contracts 2, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to be calling Steal the Key, but title still tbd tbd but yeah it's officially like done so it's in jess's hands she's going through it and leaving notes and then i've got to go and do my rewrites but Mm -hmm. i could at least say i accomplished what i wanted which i was able to knock out like three to four thousand words a day which is crazy awesome which is like typically when i get home from work and i'm able to sit down and do like maybe an hour and a half of writing Mm -hmm. i can do like 1700 if i'm really like kicking ass that right. day so knocking out like four thousand words a day was crazy to me just like bananas um so yeah I was able to just get it done okay. and I I'm so happy that that's done but that I think that happened like Sunday and then I went back to work on Monday mm-hmm. and it's just been nonsense for like three mm-hmm. days of crazy so yeah day job is going off the rails with just weird shit um you know and then like rogue garage door problems yesterday and all kinds of just stupid shit but we're here now it's
0: cold as balls it is cold
1: we had a fucking blizzard like out of nowhere last week i think we talked about it but like uh, when i had to go around my like front door today because we were Mm -hmm. the garage being stupid like i passed through a section of the apartments i'm never around and the snow i shit you not was piled up to like my shoulder yeah they just plowed through it like they didn't like really move it, they just carved a pathway. Mm -hmm. So like in front of my apartment, it didn't look that bad, but just around the other side, I guess where the wind was worse. it was like, oh my God, should I check on my neighbors? Like, (laughs) were they able to get out at all? Like it was crazy. So yeah, it was, and it's just, so fucking cold. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. yeah, we. are Although uh, when I left at lunch, it was uh, 11 degrees. Hey. So double we're digits. Get, we're getting
1: there. Double digits. Yeah.
0: So that's it's, good.
1: Yeah, it's been in the negatives for like yeah. a couple days. Yeah,
0: and I mean we are not alone in that. The right. West has just been hit and mm-hmm. remains insufferably cold, especially oh, yeah. because we got so used to having like such mild winters for the yeah. last few years, and this winter has been nothing until this. But yeah, then we got like eight to 10 inches of snow and Mm -hmm. then immediately followed by like sub zero temperatures. Yeah. Uh, So all that snow just like freezes.
1: Yeah. It's awful. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. and And I don't, I feel like they are not, handling the roads as well as they have in the past.
1: So I didn't know if that was just me being not native to Wisconsin, no, but I've I, been like sliding into
0: in front of our house. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we've talked about this before. We live on a very busy road in mm-hmm. our part of town. It's literally the road that like NFL teams drive down to get to Lambeau field here in green Bay, because mm-hmm. it is such a good route between so many things and it doesn't have stop signs on it or stop yeah. lights so it's yeah. just like a straight shot very busy very loud mm-hmm. part of the reason i don't work there mm-hmm. is because it's a very busy loud road even on our very busy road mm-hmm. they have not spread any salt really to like break up the ice patches that are on the road
1: oh shit and
0: so i get out of my driveway i back out mm-hmm. and then like it's time to start going forward and my little car is like, I'm going to do it eventually. <laughs> yes, me. But like, it's, and then like, eventually it starts to kind of move forward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they haven't salted our road at all. And oh, it's like, sucks. we need that to break up these ice slicks yeah. that developed because we were riding like the 30 to 34 temperature, mm-hmm. which means it snowed, it melted and then it
1: whoosh, yeah. dropped
0: down to zero. Everything's ice. Yeah. And I feel like. Our roads have not been handled well.
1: That's really crazy. So I don't know road. if
0: like did they just stop investing in it in the city because like they hadn't needed to use it the last few years? Did God. the truck break down? Like what's right. going on?
1: Yeah, maybe it's more that maybe it's just overextended, like because it's ice is everywhere. So they're like, we'll get to it eventually. Or maybe but they're hoping it but would that's wear the down. Thing. Like
0: my road. Yeah, gets yours would be priority. Immediately. Yeah. Like it is the road mm-hmm. in our little village. Yeah. Like yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of wild. And they I- took forever to plow our sidewalks too. And like, really? I understand how privileged we are that they, <laughs> the village, plows their sidewalks. <laughs> it's one of the perks of living where we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, even that, they didn't do till like middle of the day on on Monday. Oh, weird! And it snowed Thursday into Friday.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I like, don't know what was going on. Because I like we live kind of more in the countryside, so. I was just like, oh, well, they'll probably never get to us because it's not as important. But your road, yeah, should be priority. Yeah. That's a huge, very busy road. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Okay, so you had a good last week. Yes. This week, TBD. But she is <laughs> going weird. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing new to report. Still working on <laughs> three men to be. Yeah. Um, sometimes books just take longer than you think they're going to take, and that's what we're going with for mm-hmm. this one. It's just taken, it'll take as long as it takes. Yeah. It it'll happens. still come out by next week.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you chug it along. It's just, I mean, we had a blizzard and all kinds of crazy crap. So, yeah. yeah. That and then, like, so our happens.
0: drive, like, the parking lot in our building didn't get plowed. Oh, yeah. Which is like, what? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Like, so much crazy. Like it, it, it truly is like Wisconsin forgot how to winter. <laughs> and it's like, you guys, we did this for so long. Right? <laughs> for so long, we did this oh, every Lord. year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like we've forgotten yeah but winter's back y'all
1: yeah with a vengeance Mm -hmm. yeah just definitely like slapped us in the back of the head this time around because like it's just not going great but i mean i will say just proofing the audiobook it's been a blast like i've been listening to it while dealing with all the crazy crap at work and it's been like the thing that's like you know, mm-hmm. maybe Tay is not too bad. So it's been a nice little like icing on top kind of thing.
0: Good. Yeah. I'm glad it's connecting with you because that's I really like you it. know. And and I will say like you said that independently to me the other day, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even like I had to prompt you to be like, so how is it? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you're this like, is fun. Like, I'm having fun with this one. Yeah. And I was like, great. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we picked it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad our audience picked it. Yeah, they picked good. Hopefully they will enjoy it just as much when it comes out next week, Friday. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if you are at the dear listener level in our Patreon uh, for that $10 a month subscription, you get the audiobook Mm -hmm. delivered to you on January 26th. Uh, If you are at the dear reader level on our Patreon, you get 40% off our online store. So you can buy it Mm -hmm. on January 26th or anytime thereafter. Um, Or if you don't want to support our Patreon because you hate us, but you like my audiobooks, you can pay full price, damn it, as <laughs> an online store. love how candid you are
1: with well, your feelings. Well, listen, <laughs> if,
0: you, if, you're not, if you like my audiobooks and you're not doing a subscription to this podcast, mm-hmm. you must just really hate you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. They must be like morally opposed to Masmatics, yeah, but, uh, but we'll it. buy the audiobooks. So. Yeah.
1: Like Kurt, but that other chick. She talks about dinosaurs a lot.
0: It's weird. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this time around, I figured maybe we can talk a little bit about our respective industries, since we know a thing or two about a thing or two about our respective fields. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly around, like maybe debunking some of the myths within the within our. Industries and well, I hope
0: not. Maybe because that's what you told us we were talking yeah, about. So definitely it's that. With. Yes, <laughs> definitely
1: we are talking about that. And like maybe some common misunderstandings and like newbie mistakes. So yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so I came up with three myths. Okay. That I can bust. How about okay. you?
1: I have like a whole word vomit, but I can contain it down to okay. three. I went nuts on this one, but we can condense it. Okay.
0: <laughs> like an hour long show yeah exactly um, <laughs> <laughs> top three mass come on all right so the first myth that i will bust mm-hmm. uh, is something uh and, and these are just things that like you hear people say it and yeah. well-meaning but like it's out there yeah narrating is just reading into a microphone
1: mm. I hate that one yeah that's just a, i think a lot of this is going to be us being like okay listen <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: right well and i mean it is that but it is so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into some of it later, but primarily it's because there the reading part is really just one part of, of what you do, right. o- of the job. There is a lot of technical skills that are involved mm-hmm. in recording yourself. And uh, especially if you're working independently, having to learn how to edit and master. Right having to hire people to prove things, having to manage sometimes relationships with co Uh Like that's all a part of the process, manage relationships with authors. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and then a big part of the job is like getting the work. Oh yeah. Like part of my job is getting jobs, mm-hmm. which means putting yourself out there, uh, auditioning, marketing yourself in traditional ways through like networking events and like mm-hmm. going to conferences Um, emails to producers like constantly having to reintroduce yourself and like establish a brand and then on top of all of that you're also supposed to be on social media promoting yourself and Mm -hmm. the work that you do so people see that you're active and like uh, a part of the promotional process yeah it's all doing podcasts (laughs) like yeah this is part of my job to try to like put myself out there and put my work out there Mm -hmm. um so to say that it's just reading into a microphone is Is inaccurate. Yeah. That is a myth uh, busted.
1: Yeah. I would say inaccurate is probably the nicest way to say that because Mm -hmm. it's like you're doing 10 different jobs. You're not just narrating. You're learning how to market and like you're having to learn all the technology behind it. Like that's there's so much that goes into it.
0: Now, if you wanted to volunteer as a reader for like the Library of Congress, which does their own set of audiobooks that Mm -hmm. are. Uh, read by volunteers and provided to people who uh, want them uh, for specifically like the blind.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: So like that is an accessibility thing and people volunteer for that program. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A lot of narrators got started doing that as a volunteer thing Mm -hmm. um, where there's no quality control and there's no like you don't have to have good equipment or anything like that. And they kind of handle a lot of the technical stuff. Like Mm -hmm. that's a way to say that like narrating is just reading into a microphone. Yeah. Because uh, it really is about just reading the book, just getting the yeah. text read out loud. Yeah. But in the commercial world of audiobooks, being a narrator is so much more Yeah, than the reading into the microphone part. Mm-hmm. That's like maybe 25% of my job.
1: <laughs> you know what's weird is I think that that's about the same percentage of like writing a book. Because when it's like, you're just writing the book, that's like 25% of the work. The rest of it, mm-hmm. especially for indie authors, it's marketing Networking, all that other shit yeah. that goes into it. So, it, I think a good por- portion of these myths is going to be just people having no idea what goes on on the back end. Yeah. Like, to actually get a finished product, there's just so much shit that right. goes into yeah. it.
0: Well, and even yeah. for traditionally published authors, like, mm-hmm. I know some who work their asses off on the publicity side because yeah. I think there's a myth that, like, These publishers, like promotional or advertising departments just handle it all. And it's like, no, those departments, even for like the big five publishers, they're like three people.
1: See, I would, we need to get a guest on who is like traditionally published and have a whole discussion about that. Cause I don't know anything about that world. I really only know like indie stuff.
0: I'm shocked with my traditionally published authors that I've talked to who are Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm doing this all myself. That sucks. All these promotions that you're seeing, I'm doing them.
1: See, that's a myth that I bought into because you know, I—that was—I—that's I, kind of how it's always pitched. Uh Whereas, like, oh, you—you you write the book and then they take care of everything else. They do the editing. I mean, and everything. I think
0: if you reach like TJ Klune level, y- maybe then yeah, you get a lot of attention and they manage a lot of your schedule and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. like even then, like I've met the Macmillan marketing team because I've done some events with TJ and for them, mm-hmm. it's like three people. That's crazy. It's not a huge. Yeah, it's not a department. Yeah, like there's like three people whose job it is to focus on promoting audiobooks for Macmillan Audio.
1: That's wild.
0: Yeah. So.
1: Shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Because like w- with my day job, like our marketing team is twenty people. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of people that goes into like retail marketing. So it's that's mind blowing. That's only yeah. three for a big publishing house like that.
0: Not a lot of money in publishing.
1: Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Really, truly, really, truly. Mm-hmm. Okay. You go.
1: That was, I think, the first myth I was going to bust is that indie authors don't make any money because it's kind (laughs) of (laughs) true. But it's also like, I think there's a misunderstanding where like indie books are just kind of thrown out there. And that kind of goes into some other myths that I can talk about in a minute where it's just kind of thrown out there and it is what it is. And you'll make like a couple bucks. Not necessarily. I mean, I'm not rolling in money by any stretch, but I have put. A lot of time and effort and taking, you know, marketing classes and really folded into the business to where I can, like, I'm making okay money. Mm-hmm. Like, I can pay bills with it. I right. can, like, you know, keep elevating the business a little bit more. But, yeah, it's it, indie authors don't make pennies. Not mm-hmm. if you are taking it seriously and, and actually making it a business like any other, you know, self-business yeah. would be.
0: And sometimes like being your own self promoter and putting Mm -hmm. yourself out there gets you a larger audience than if you were like among the group Mm -hmm. that a publisher is trying to promote because they might not make you the priority. Right. Uh, So yeah, I know the author M.A. Wardell that I work with has, has talked about that some on social media and TikTok about just like going the indie author route and finding himself like on the same lists as like people who are traditionally published yeah. and selling as well and making as much. And it's like, it's not an easy path for sure. No,
1: no, it's not easy, but it's doable. But there's The reason to
0: do it isn't just because it's fun. Right. It's to make some money.
1: Exactly. Like you can, you can love something with your whole heart and put your whole creative, like creative mindset into it and make art and still want to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. I think there's this weird thing where it's an either or a lot of people are like, if it's art that really speaks to you, then you shouldn't try to commercialize it. Or the other way around, where it's like if you're commercializing it, it's not really art. Like there's right. this weird, like, division between the two, and it's just not. Yeah, it's not true. Listen, I do not <laughs> want
0: to be the Van Gogh of audiobook mm-hmm. narrators. I no. do not my work. I do not want my work to be more appreciated after I'm dead. Yeah,
1: who the hell? No, I don't think anybody <laughs> you know? actually wants that. Like you'll get those hipster people that toss that out there, but honestly, yeah. no. Everyone wants to be able to get paid to do what they love to do. Mm-hmm. That's yep. just. A no brainer.
0: Right. Otherwise they would just, otherwise we just do it for fun and we wouldn't put it out in the world. Yeah. Or you just put it
1: out for free, you know, like, and there are people who do that, but eventually a lot of people who like have their start at like Wattpad and stuff like that, they eventually start pulling those stories and putting them on Kindle and trying to make at least a couple bucks. Everybody Mm -hmm. needs some gas money. You know, like I don't know anybody who just does shit for free when they have the spare time. Like if they could get some money out of it, of course they would.
0: Well, that sort of transitions into my next myth. Okay. Narrating audiobooks is easy money. Mm. <laughs> You'll see this, especially if you are like in the TikTok of it all or like the Instagram reels. Mm-hmm. Like there will be the people who are like wearing sunglasses and fancy hats and being like, I'm on vacation in Mexico because I get all this money from Audible every month. Here's a check for a thousand dollars from Audible. Here's a check for five hundred dollars from Audible. Blah and it's like okay let's back up (laughs) yeah yeah because one those are monthly royalty checks
1: yeah so So when
0: they're showing you a check for a thousand dollars and you're like i want a thousand dollar check from audible Mm -hmm. imagine that's your whole income Mm -hmm. you think you're going to mexico on a thousand dollars a month from audible you are not so uh first of all that's what those checks are if you see somebody showing those statements online Mm because people do it i see people doing it It's like, look how much money I got from Audible. It's like, those come once a month. Mm -hmm. You get one check a month. It's not like per book. Yeah. Um, Two, to get to the point where you are producing audiobooks, there is a huge upfront investment Mm -hmm. in equipment and training. Yeah. We sort of talked about this a little bit and like the technical side, you have to learn a lot. You also have to learn the art of narration. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to learn how to do that. Uh, And you have to buy a microphone. You have to have a computer. You need certain computer software. Uh, and then at a certain point, if you want publishers to hire you, you need a sound booth. Yeah. Those aren't cheap. Even if you're making them on the cheap, they're mm-hmm. not cheap.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of material. It's,
0: it's a lot of shit that you have to pay for. Yeah. And then you need to have a website.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You need to have uh, uh, uh like hosting things. Like it, it's i am I am still constantly surprised by how much money I spend in a month <laughs> to be able to do this thing where I make money, yeah, because it's like, oh God, there are so many expenses mm-hmm. involved with being your own business,
1: yeah, and
0: having a presence online and a space in which you can do the work. Yeah, and it all costs money. Mm-hmm. And there are ways you can do it for less, yeah, but it all costs money. So you're gonna invest a lot before you start making anything. Mm-hmm. and even once you start making things, It's not a ton of money.
1: I was gonna. I didn't want to be like. It's probably not a ton because it's not a ton of money. Yeah,
0: yeah. Most narrators that I know make their the bulk of their money through uh, like publisher jobs Mm -hmm. where they get paid for their work and then that's it. Yeah. So those monthly royalty checks don't include like every book you've ever done. It's the handful that you agreed to do royalties on. Mm -hmm. And very few of them do well enough to equal what you would just get paid if you got it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's no recurring revenue on the back end for narrators. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, there are a few success stories that I've seen people who just have done a shit ton of royalty share work. And like one guy in a narrator group last month posted like the screenshot of (laughs) ACX where it showed like 2 million books. Oh wow. 2 million sales.
1: That's crazy. Of his books. Yeah. Yeah. That's why no, he's been
0: doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. He obviously had some uh, insight on how to choose well mm-hmm. uh, and had some uh, industry cachet to be able to throw around and get some of those good jobs. Right. Uh, and yeah, over time it has accumulated to the point where clearly he's doing very well. Yeah. Because I mean, 2 million sales is that's at least $4 million. Oh,
1: for sure. Easily. That's crazy. You know, Well, and I think, I think we get swept up because we don't see, we never get to see the full picture. Like I'm sure if you, you see that kind of snapshot into somebody's Mm -hmm. dashboard, you don't equate in like, oh, they've been doing this for 10 years or Or 15 or 15, you know, or, and like they've been, you didn't see their paycheck when they first started when they're five years in. this is them over years and years and years banking that. And then just, you know, like you said, with those surrounding themselves with the right people with smart people like getting yourself into those spaces to where you're landing those good jobs mm-hmm. like that's that takes a long time a and long luck
0: long <laughs> time a long time where you're not making much money yeah uh, and it is a struggle to even get to the point where you can live off this income so mm-hmm. uh yeah and i mean it's worth saying too that like if you want to be a voice actor this is the lowest paying voice acting work you can do yeah it's the most steady mm-hmm but like, for the amount of time you put in, it's the least amount of money you can make. You can make much quicker money doing a thirty-second commercial, uh, but
1: yeah, you know, it's like, you is maybe, that you you maybe to get do? one
0: or two of those a month versus being able to like consistently work doing audiobooks. Yeah. So there's a trade-off. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of training. There's a lot of investment, and eventually, if you're lucky, you can get to the point where you make a living mm-hmm. nobody's getting rich and it's certainly not easy money mm-hmm. to be a narrator
1: yeah i think that's fair like i i think with any type of you know self employment or like especially an art type of day job that you you create mm-hmm. yourself when you're self employed man i i don't know anybody who is like an artist or well i don't know any other than like maybe one or two authors who like make that level of just like crazy money. Usually it's like they can pay for a couple mm-hmm. bills. Most of the people I know right. have a day job, Right. like just, being and there are always those space. like
0: super success stories oh, that for sure. point that people point to and they're like, you could do this and yeah. it's like, well, but like 1% of 1% of the people yeah. do that well. Yeah. You know, like right. there's only one Jeff Bezos. There have been millions of people who have started online commerce mm-hmm. who work in online commerce. So yeah. like, You can't look at Jeff Bezos and be like, I'm going to be him. Yeah. You can't look at Lucy (laughs) Lennox and be like, I'm going to be her. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't look at this guy who did 2 million in sales and be like, I'm going to be him. Mm -hmm. Because like those are few and far between. Right. They happen. Yeah, for sure. They happen. They
1: happen. But.
0: But you can't like you can't go into it thinking that's what's going to happen to me.
1: Right. I, I think being new in this industry, learning to set reasonable expectations and goals for yourself is such a, the, the first step before mm. you do anything else, you have to reevaluate what your future is actually going to look like. Yeah, I'm probably never going to be pulling in a million dollars a year. Would I love that? Sure. sure, But probably never going to happen. Right.
0: Well, but like, depending on inflation. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But, maybe we'll all be making a million dollars a year in a couple of years and yeah. that'll buy us three loaves of bread.
1: Yeah. I'll still be like, shit, how am I going to pay for the car next? Right. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it, it's, it's really, I think it's sometimes tough, especially because Within, like, for me personally, within the in, in romance community, I know all of these people. So seeing these people just like kicking ass, and I'm always, I fall victim of me going like, well, what am I doing wrong, or why can't I achieve that? And mm-hmm. da, da. But when you actually listen to their stories and and see how they did that, there's a lot of things that they had that a lot of people didn't, and it's not like, poo pooing on them, but like they just had different opportunities than yeah. a lot of us do. So they're able to hit these awesome goals, and then lucy being cool she's able to like kind of help the tide rise you know mm-hmm. and like share her information but yeah
0: absolutely but also creating revenue stream off of that yeah you know she mm-hmm. doesn't give the training away for free no she's so. very transparent
1: with a lot of stuff but she's smart enough to know mm-hmm. that her information should be behind a paywall no. because well, it's par- good because information part of her business yeah is, it's her business is teaching exactly like
0: that's part of her business right she's, she's smart
1: it. She's yeah. a good business woman. Right. It's like, that's how she hits a million dollars a year or whatever, right. you know? So for my second myth for um, indie publishing is that indie books are not edited well or not written well. Mm-hmm. People, I get that so much. Like, as soon as I say, like I'm like, oh, I write books. They're like, oh, are you published? Yeah. Who are you published with? I'm self-published. You can just see the light go out in their eyes because they're like, oh, it's garbage. Like mm-hmm. immediately it's garbage because unfortunately anybody can put out a book especially on amazon because mm-hmm. that's where most of our world is is on right. amazon unfortunately um literally anybody can make a book it takes you it's free doesn't cost anything mm-hmm. to publish a book um and you can publish it within 20 minutes like it says it takes up to 72 hours it's like right. 20 minutes so yeah unfortunately there's a lot of garbage out there but for the most part when you really get into the meat of the genre, especially within like romance, so much of it is beautiful. It's, 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 I of course have a bias because I'm very passionate about this genre and I am also an author, but these books are just beautiful. They get to tread into waters that traditional, traditionally published books don't get to really explore on because they're not as easily marketable and things like that. So that's one of those myths that I wish I could just ring out of people's minds is that indie stuff is just not worth people's time it's unfortunately very prevalent on like book talk and bookstagram where people just do not read indie because they're they're just championing behind traditionally published stuff and that sucks yeah so i'm like i really want that to change and it's getting better but like you still see it and it's such a bummer
0: yeah because there are there are bad indie books oh sure there are bad traditionally published books Mm -hmm. there are indie books that needed an editor. Yeah there are traditionally published books that needed more editing mm-hmm. like that is a feature of books yeah that's just how a feature, books are <laughs> yeah that yeah. is a feature of books mm-hmm. in general for sure um and yeah how much uh, effort gets put into a book is really about the individual not about right. the genre or the method of distribution
1: yeah. yeah yeah i think it's just easy to kind of dismiss it because There's so, there's a lot of, there's a bad apples in everywhere, everywhere, but those get the harshest light because it's just so, it's so easy in quotes Mm -hmm. to just like pump out a book. I'm like, yeah, you can publish a book for free on Amazon, but if you're actually giving a shit about your book, it it costs anywhere from hundreds to thousands of dollars for a finished product to be published on Amazon.
0: right So. And I've, I've had both experiences as a narrator. Like Mm -hmm. I've had indie books come my way that I'm like, oof yeah oh, okay mm-hmm. Uh all right uh and then i've also had traditionally published books come my way that i'm like how did this make it this far oof yeah that's and rough like, this ma- like this non this is nonsense mm-hmm. how how yeah how <laughs> have we made it this far mm-hmm. um And I don't know the answer to that because I don't know what goes on in publishers. I imagine at a certain point, sometimes they're just like, you know what? Fine. It is what it is. Yeah. This author is an asshole. Yeah. We're not going to try to make their book better anymore because.
1: Yeah. Well, because they have so many revisions. Like with indie, it's a little bit easier because you control the revisions. Mm -hmm. So you get your, hopefully multiple reads and your feedback and you base it off of people you trust. But when it comes to traditionally published, those people are hired to make your shit nice. So they go through like a ton of revisions and rewrites. So that's, I think what is extra shocking is when you get a traditionally published book and you're like, Oh, this is not great. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it feels yeah a weird. lot
0: of hands touched that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But ultimately it's the author who determines the quality of the product regardless of how many people try to help them.
1: Yeah, that's true. So mm. you, you're going to get those people who just don't know how to take good feedback or get yeah. dismiss people.
0: But yeah. yeah. All right. My third and final myth. Mm hmm. I could be a narrator because everyone tells me I have a nice voice.
1: That one anchors me and I'm not even, I hear it. I mean,
0: I hear it all the time. And I mean, people even say it to me. I don't think I have a particularly nice voice. Like that's not a thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, but people are like, Oh yeah, you have a really nice speaking voice. I could see that. And it's like, no, that's not the job. Yeah. So this is
1: just how I sound. This is
0: just how I sound. Yeah but also it's not how I sound a lot of times when I'm narrating a book.
1: Yeah. Cause, cause
0: you're an actor. <laughs> like, you're yeah, Narrating is primarily acting. Yeah. And so you can have the best voice in the world, mm-hmm. but if you don't know how to tell a compelling story, uh, you're not going to be good at narrating. Yeah. You have to be able to analyze a script You have to be able to understand story structure. You have to be able to move in between different types of characters, personalities, moods, accents. You have to be able to convey all of that, make it clear, make it cohesive, make it understandable. Uh, And if on top of that, you have a nice sounding voice, great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you are leaning on just having a nice sounding voice, chances are you're probably not a very good narrator. Probably not. Because if you're not working on all of those other things Mm -hmm. to actually tell a compelling story, then yeah, you're just a voice. Yeah. And uh, if you're just a voice, guess what? You're the first thing that AI is going to replace. Yeah. Because what are those AI voices? They're nice voices that can accurately read.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have no emotion. They have no nuance of understanding human language, culture, emotions. Mm -hmm. It's a robot. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So, and I'm not saying there are not narrators out there who have gotten by on Good Voices. Mm-hmm. There are. Oh, for sure. There are, but they're not going to last and they're not going to ever, they're not going to be anybody's favorite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, sure. They exist. I yeah. wish they wouldn't. I, 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 if if I can do anything in the industry, I would like to really challenge people who are listening to audiobooks to be like, is this person actually doing the art of narration? Yeah. Can I, like, think critically about it? Mm -hmm. Um, Or do I just really like the way they sound? Yeah. Because it makes me feel happy in my happy places.
1: (laughs) Happy (laughs) in my happy places. Well, I think that's when it
0: happens the most is in romance. Oh, for sure. I'll speak for myself. I'll speak for, like, my lady narrator friends who talk about, like, how unfair it is that, like, male narrators will get these glowing reviews. Mm -hmm. And all they do is show up with a deep voice.
1: Yeah. That's got to be frustrating.
0: Holy shit. you know, so... But it happens. Mm -hmm. But again, they'll be the first ones replaced by AI AI, uh, because it's all the other things that a robot can't do that truly make narration special. Yeah. Uh, And it's not about the quality of our voice because that also changes over time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're going to sound different. Yeah. Like within what, five years? I I Mm -hmm. mean, I, ooh, I should go back and listen to old top to bottom podcasts and see how different my voice sounds, if it's the same or not. Right. Because I'm more comfortable talking on the microphone now than i was back sure. then and this is also way let's nicer say, equipment let's,
0: let's talk about it. <laughs> this is also a very nice microphone yeah i was gonna say your, your equipment's very nice
1: we had like oh my god like i think one of those snowball ones it was yep. not great but we were doing our best
0: two people the one microphone mm-hmm. yeah uh-huh. it was an
1: editing nightmare mm-hmm. poor jess had to put up all that bullshit yeah so yeah yeah
0: uh, yeah <laughs> all right what's your myth
1: So um, I think my last one that also kind of doubles as like maybe a good tip for new authors is that if your books are not in bookstores, they're not real books. Mm -hmm. That happens a lot. Like if you can't find it off of a shelf, because that's another question I'll get from people who just don't understand when I tell them I write books. They're like, oh, can I get your books at Barnes and Noble? I'm like, probably not. I mean, no, (laughs) this is how it is. So depending on how you set up your book on the back end, most of my stuff is just like um the paperbacks are published through Amazon because it doesn't cost me anything. Mm-hmm. So right. I can just upload it and be ready to go. I can get them at cost and it's way easier for me to get them to me, to my readers. You can buy them all across the globe and it is reason like reasonably priced. Yep. Like I can make them affordable for everyone.
0: Well, because those are printed on demand. Right? Exactly.
1: They're printed on demand. So but you do have other options to where you can set it up through like Ingram Spark or um oh, there's another company that just came out that looks pretty cool that does basically the same thing. But those are way more expensive. Like mm-hmm. for me, I have to pay for that shit. And you also can do returns. So like if a big bookstore decides to order 30 of my books, they don't sell any and then they return them. I have to pay for that. Oh, and it is yeah. it can be devastating, especially yeah. for me who makes no money. then all, all of a sudden I've got like a $500 bill mm-hmm. from Ingram, you know? So most of us don't because it's just, a bad idea because we could be slapped with like fees and stuff
0: yeah so that's part of why amazon has a stranglehold on the market is they're offering the best deal
1: it's unfortunate they're allowing
0: folks who don't have money mm -hmm. to start a business
1: yeah exactly and it's unfortunate and it sucks because i don't want all of my stuff to be on amazon and because it's a print on demand through amazon most bookstores aren't going to touch that because they don't Mm -hmm. amazon's damaging their business or why a lot of bookstores are closing. So I get it. I'm not like giving them any shit about it, but, um, honestly, doesn't matter. Like if your stuff is not in big box stores, it's fine because especially for the romance readership and our, our readers, 98% of everyone's on Kindle Unlimited anyway, Mm -hmm. or on Amazon.
0: I was going to say, even having a physical book nowadays doesn't mean you're not an author. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It does not matter. You don't even need to have the physical book. No, (laughs) it's
1: cool. I love seeing my stuff in paperbacks. It's like my favorite thing. I remember the first time I got to open a stack of uh, Heartache and Hoofbeats, the first time they got shipped to me, I Mm -hmm. like cried. It was so cool, you know, but- that's not where I make my money. I sell like maybe two paperbacks for an entire month on Amazon. Yeah. And then the rest of it is all page reads and digital purchases and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, just because it's, you cannot physically hold it in your hands mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not real. It's not doesn't qualify as a good story or a, a real book. Right. It's just... It is what it is, but yeah. it's just such a weird thing that we hold on to. Yeah.
0: It's cool to be in bookstores oh, I love like it that's a great goal to have, yeah, but it yeah, it's definitely not not necessary,
1: yeah, I'll just i usually buy a big like stock myself and then like I have a co cosignment thing through like paper grain bookstore mm-hmm. and stuff, so like I can get my books in places, but like it's just harder to do, and they have their own business structure, and it it's weird to me how those two things just butt heads, like you'd think it would be easier for them, but Amazon's just such a monster. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. my, that's my last myth is that it doesn't have to be physical. Neat, but not Neat, required. But not required. Yeah. yeah.
0: Great. Well, we would love to hear your feedback on did, did you have some of these misconceptions? Mm-hmm. Did you, did we just blow your minds listeners? Yes. Uh, or are you like, yeah, I've I've been around this industry enough to know that that's how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Hopefully we shed some light on things yeah. and helped you go, oh, I didn't know that. Or and, and I'll just, stop saying that to just people. Just <laughs> beginning
0: to shed the light on things too, because mm-hmm. it is, there are so many things.
1: Oh yeah, I've got a whole oh, like are, document of stuff I was where I could like easily pivot yeah. and be like, let's talk about the stigma of MM romance when it comes wow. to like people reading it in public and shit. Yeah. But you know. Well, that's another t- topic for another time. I was going to
0: say, <laughs> let's we'll come back to that another yeah, yeah. day. This week, we are sharing our interview with the author of our January audiobook, Three Meant to Be, M. N. Bennett. Mm-hmm. We discuss magic systems, writing with a clairvoyant character, and we give a little sneak peek into what's to come in the upcoming audiobook. Uh, M.N. Bennett is a high school teacher, writer, and reader. He lives in the Midwest, still adjusting to the cold after being born and raised in the South, especially this week. Uh, He enjoys writing paranormal and fantasy stories with huge worlds, sometimes too big. He wrote this. I'm not saying that. (laughs) He wrote this. Uh, Lovable romances with so much angst and banter and happily ever afters once he's dragged his characters through some emotional turmoil. When he's not balancing classes writing or reading he can be found binge watching anime or replaying dragon age 2 for the millionth time that's a game yes I assume. it's a good one too Is dragon age 2 the correct way to say that mm-hmm. not dragon age the second no <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it great uh here is our interview with mn bennett Joining us today on the Hoof and Fang podcast is the author of our January audiobook of the month, Three Meant to Be. Welcome, M.N. Bennett.
2: Hey, hey. How are you We're guys? excited to
0: chat with you, um, not only about the book, but also uh, just about you and your author journey. So why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us how you found your way to writing books?
2: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so are we going all the way back? Because we, all can, the way we back. can have fun going Go all okay. the way back. So my writing journey actually started when I was like 5 or 6 with fan fiction. I didn't know it was fan fiction at the time. I had I don't know if anyone remembers The Gargoyles movie?
1: Yes. Amazing. Movie.
2: And if you haven't watched it, oh my goodness, fabulous. It was like the animated movie that kind of introduced like the series before it came out. And if oh, you were like I me, didn't know the you series. had Yeah, if you were like me, you had the VHS interactive video game that came with it, and it had like a board game that came separate, and you'd pause it during parts and roll dice or draw cards. I can't remember; it's been that long. But like sometimes Xanatos would come on and say "Game over," or Demona would be like, "And now your time is up." You know, you'd <laughs> be like, ah. "Oh my god, this sounds incredible! I right want to right find right. it." I
1: didn't know about the game. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah.
2: And we lost it during a move. <laughs> So I recreated it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's how my writing journey started was remaking the game. So it like involved a lot of construction paper and drawing. And like I use like construction paper, like in tube form, like to make this because the game was like two or three stories. I The game was set in uh, the Xanatosas skyscraper, I believe, you know, so like mm-hmm. the building, you're moving up it. Um, So I made like little pillars and stuff like that out of paper and tape. And it was so fun. And I wrote, ended up having more fun writing the story. And then I did that with other shows and games that I liked, you know, and eventually started writing scripts, because that was my adventure to writing because I like dialogue. That's like Mm -hmm. my favorite thing. And it still is today. And eventually I moved into book writing and then I took a break because, oh my goodness, querying is exhausting. And I was like, ah, I'm not made for this. And then I came back to writing and I queried some and I was going on the traditional path. And in 2022, I had a book that got three (laughs) R&Rs and they all wanted something very different for it. And I was just like, I don't want to shelf this. I love this story. I also... So for people who aren't
0: in the publishing world, what is an r
2: oh, is a revise and revisit. So, and resubmit and all that. And um, everyone wanted something different. Some wanted less magic in the story. Some wanted more magic. Uh, some wanted to focus more on the romance. Some wanted to focus more on the love triangle component. It was my YA story. And I... Uh, I said, gosh, all these close calls, people want to invest in me, but they're just not sure. And that's when I was like, maybe it's time I invest in myself. Mm -hmm. And I'd always looked at like indie publishing as like a backup plan. And that's why I never really considered it until 2022. And I was like, it's not. It's like a path where I can actually share my stories and have my fun and just like really love writing again and not the pressure of the industry. And here I am, (laughs) you know. So I dived into that. I released Crescentville. Oh, I made a plan, right? And Crescentville Haunting, and then Three Meant to Be. And and I'm just kind of moving forward with stories and nonsense and Garwell fanfic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I loved that show growing up. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I I totally uh, was like, it's not explicitly queer. And yet there is something about it that
2: like, little gay boys seem to really love it.
1: I was also a huge fan, which is not shocking.
2: (laughs) I did hear there was like a Lexington subplot where he was supposed to be queer, but they cut that out because, Mm -hmm. you know, children's animation. But so now I'm like, of course I'll go back and rewatch it and be like, Oh, yep. I see it. I see it right there.
0: (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that first book you wrote?
2: Crescentville Haunting, so oh my goodness, this is like my like, uh, my tragic story of joy and just nonsense. Um, it is a high school boy who's trying to have a normal school year. Um, it's, in, it's set in a world where paranormal creatures have kind of come out of the closet, so to speak, and they exist, but they're still discreet depending on where you're located in the nation right and so Mm -hmm. being in Crescentville it's not a safe place to be a vampire or a witch or things like that and his ex-boyfriend is a vampire and Logan's like oh there's just so much drama that comes with dating a vampire and he's looking for a normal year and he gets less of that when a bloodthirsty witch starts chasing him down and he gets sent off to this institute it's madness (laughs) (laughs) it sounds fun (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say it sounds actually like a lot of fun. And you said that was YA?
0: Yes. Okay. And then, so then Three Men to Be was your second book?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So why
0: the switch to adult?
2: Several of the books that I queried were in the YA genre. Um, And I had been leaning toward writing adult for a while, but I was like, oh, well, I have so many things in my projects that are geared toward this. And if I end up getting traditional, I want to, fit in the right categories with whoever ends up wanting me at some point. Um, and so I started leaning toward adult for a while, probably because I was reading a lot of queer indie adults, you know? <laughs> and uh, like, oh, this just sounds like more fun. And that's when I delved into Three Meant to Be. And of course, that kind of has like notes of YA though. Because, like, you have does, your so. angsty teens, right? You know, you have your drama and your your fun and your joy. And you get to kind of, like, move into, you know, the adult side of things with Dorian being sort of an adult. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> I would say decidedly, yeah. 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 <laughs> At least in age, if not uh, yeah. temperament. <laughs> yeah. Grumpy, yeah, and you also you get to flash back a little bit, even to his high school days. So yes, there's there's yeah. that
2: element of YA as well, yeah, uh, included. Oh, I was like, so yeah, that's just kind of like how the evolution happened, as far as like, and now like my other one, Misfit Mage, is purely adult, you know. And I guess I'm just like that's where I'm at right now. Maybe I'll gravitate back toward YA in the future, but yeah, for now, enjoying adulthood. <laughs>
0: Did you know that you wanted to write a book about a teacher? Oh my God, no. <laughs> so how did, how did um, that happen? Because you're, you're a teacher. Yeah. That's part of your bio, so our audience will know that by now. Um, but like, <laughs> it, how, how much of Dorian, uh, at least his job, is autobiographical? How many of the things that are in the book are things you wish you could say out loud to people? Oh, my God. How many of the things are
2: things (laughs) I've actually said out loud to people? Oh, okay. All right. right. (laughs) Um, So when I started out, it was going to be a secondary world, right, with, like, you know, magic uh, teachers, so to speak. And it was going to just involve three kids, right, Like because, like, covens are made up of four members, and so the teacher would be the one member and then the other three and guiding them and i'm not very good at secondary world i i enjoy reading it i don't know if i have the voice to create like this secondary world vibe of uh i always think of like just more elegant prose than i have <laughs> and maybe it's just the books that i'm picking up you know with like the medieval vibes and things like that and otherworldly aspects and components and i go No, no, I need something more urban, contemporary, alternate universe. Like, this is our world, this is our setting. And then I started thinking more, grounding it into things I liked. And when I was first drafting, I was putting little educational notes in there. And I was like, actually, what if we made some big changes? And then suddenly it started becoming more of a classroom dynamic. And a lot of my initial, like, outline characters we're going to be teachers. And I realized that what was gonna happen is, cause, and it's in the blurb, so it's not too spoilery, is there's a kid that Dorian has to save. You know, cause there's been a vision and his life is in danger. And what happened in my outlining process is I realized that this kid was gonna kind of be solo and there wouldn't be any other students cause all mm-hmm. my characters in my outline were other teachers for him to just banter and bitch with. Uh, What I ended up doing was creating new characters, thinking about students I've worked with throughout the course, you know, and they kind of become like composites and stuff like that. Uh, What's really funny is one of my characters who is a student character and completely inappropriate was actually supposed to be a teacher character because he's inspired off of a teacher that I worked with who is like massively inappropriate and probably the funniest person I've ever worked with. But, you know...
1: (laughs) They typically go hand in hand,
2: I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's just kind of like how Three It to Be evolved. And then it became like this own little cathartic vent about all the things that annoy you about education. And sharing the joy of all the things that you love about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I do love the world. Obviously, I mean, I've stayed. <laughs> you know? Right. But like any yeah. career, you know, there are things that are frustrating. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and I mean, it's a pretty universal experience. Like most of us have been through high school in one Mm -hmm. way or another. Like perhaps the homeschooled got to avoid those particular social dynamics. Uh, But like anytime I do a YA or I do a book like this where like it's set in a high school, like all of those feelings come flooding back, (laughs) you know, just like how scary Uh, That whole time was and just like how heightened everything felt as a teenager. Um, So I love YA, but there's also a part of me that every time I go into it, I'm like, well, I hope you're ready to relive some trauma (laughs) (laughs) because we're going back to high school. So uh, we should probably back up. Because we really, as part of this, need to introduce to our audience the book that many of them are going to be getting uh, as a part of their subscription. So, do you want to give us more of the the background and the plot of Three Men to Be? All
2: right. So, Three Men to Be is a it's an alternate universe style witchy world where everyone has magic. Right? It's set in Chicago. uh, Very, hey, this is your daily life, just going to work, doing things like that. But do you also want to use your magic? Because if you do, you're going to need a license. And that's where our main character comes in, because he works at an academy that helps students learn how to control their magic and become licensed in practicing it. And he's got an ex on again, off again. What the heck are they even? Um, Boyfriend named Milo Evergreen, who is known as Enchanter Evergreen to the public because he uses his magic to work on cases. And the story is about Dorian kind of grieving the loss of the third between him and Milo because they, you know, had another partner and then finding a way to kind of move forward with that while saving his students.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So now is a good time to talk about clairvoyance. How does that come into the story? And then Marky. Go ahead and ask all your (laughs) clairvoyance questions. Yeah, we'll
1: answer the story question first, and then I'm just going to just freak out on you with my author head on.
2: (laughs) Okay, so how does clairvoyance come in the story? So Enchanter Evergreen is a notable clairvoyant. Obviously, you know, he has visions of the future, possible futures, things like that. Him and Dorian share a kiss early in the story. And Dorian being a telepath kind of gets insight for the first time on one of Milo's visions, and he sees a person dying, and it turns out that person is one of his new students, and so that's where, like, the hijinks of drama, and, ah, I have to save him comes into play.
1: (laughs) And I also appreciate, too, that they react so differently to that situation, because one's used to it and the other one's not, so, you know, you've got Milo, who's like, oh, my God, like, this this is a thing, we have to do something, and Dorian's like, I mean is it though? Like we can't really just like fuck around with the future, man. Like it's, it's so interesting. Um, But that whole scene kind of like, that was the first question I wanted to ask you is I'm proofing it. Now I got to that scene. I was like, I love clairvoyance in storytelling, but I, at least for me, it's inherently like intimidating as hell because unless you nail it, it's, it can be it can go bad so quickly. And of course you're doing it masterfully. So I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, so I I wanted to ask, do you, when you're writing a clairvoyant character, do you kind of like work backwards? Like, do you figure out like the ending and then like kind of plot out how you're going to like weave that into it? Or is it one of those, like, which is kind of like what I would do is just write it and then f- kind of fix it in editing, where you kind of go back and be like, Oh, it would make sense if." Maybe he got a vision here about this thing and and like kind of nudge the the uh, narrative along that way.
2: It's a mix of both. I'm more of a plotter, so I do like to know my ending roughly okay. um, and have an idea of where things would go. Um I don't always know where all my foreshadowing, Will fall in like those little nuggets up, and this is where a trickle of something will, you know, appear. Um, and sometimes I make them too obvious or too subtle, but I try to get Milo to drop little lines here or there because he is aware of potential possibilities. What's really intimidating and exhausting is he's aware of constant potential outcomes. So it's like, it's not just he sees like the future that's happening, he sees the futures that might happen, yeah. right? So See, that's what makes to, it so
1: cool, is that it's yeah. like, he brings up that it's a branch. It could, like, the thing that they saw could happen, or it could happen because they got involved. And that's why I was like, I, I fucking love this. Like, oh, it's so interesting. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to it's interrupt, like, I was you just draw like, yeah, line, that. Right? <laughs> yeah, So, And at the same think, time, what a useless power. Right? <laughs> it's, it's a frustrating
1: power. Like, that would be so frustrating, because, like, how would you know if you should be stepping in or not. You know what I mean? Like that's oh, I love that. Right, was yeah. Like
0: maybe, maybe the vision creates action and that's what saves somebody. Or maybe yeah. the vision
2: warns you not to get
0: involved. Right.
2: The whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing. So I looked at a lot of tropes with uh clairvoyance or like premonitions or visions and things like that. And I try to think about that when I'm working on Milo is like all the different outcomes that come from visions. And we know there are stories where it's like, Oh, this only happened because you got involved. Well, I only got involved because I had a vision that it was going to happen. It's like, and then you brought it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there are the ones where you have the vision so you can prevent this ordeal from occurring. You know what I mean? And so that's really fun to play with, with and it's really frustrating. And sometimes you have to cut out some psychic stuff because you're just like, oh, my God, this is so exhausting. you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, or like maybe
1: you've hinted at it too hard. So you're like, I'm just giving away the answer at that point. So yeah. To it. Yeah, totally yeah. get it. Do you think you like crafting your gargoyles game helped you figure out like branching realities like that? Because it's <laughs> kind of like the game. Like, don't you have to play along and like,
2: like, to, like shoot yourself in the foot? So I have a character in another story, Wally, who is a massive overthinker, um, the biggest overthinker. And I think that's why I'm a big overthinker, like my editor and my CPs and my betas and anyone else who gets to see my story kind of like before I do some trimming, I try to answer every little possible thing anyone could ever think of. Oh, you're wondering why werewolves, what they do at the dentist? Well, let me tell you in this, (laughs) you know, two page essay that does not in all relate to the plot or anything in the world. But in case you were curious, I do know what werewolves do at the dentist because I thought about it. Mm (laughs) So I'm just an overthinker on that component. Like as far as like old stuff, and magic. Like, and do they have owl. to partially
0: shift so they can get like the, all of it, you know? Because otherwise isn't some of it like hidden away. They wouldn't be getting the full cleaning. A
1: good question. I've never You're thought of answer it. Answer before, it now. Now, <laughs> now I'm curious. Now
0: I'm, like,
1: I know that was an example you pulled out of your ass, but like when
0: they shift, do they have plaque? You good know.
2: <laughs> so but yeah. yeah. I uh I but when you were talking about on the cuff stuff, I do that too because mm-hmm. well I don't know if it happens when you write, but I write, characters do things that you don't expect. Or yeah. you try to push Absolutely. them in the direction of a plot and then it starts to feel weird. Like, I mean, I could make my character do this and go this way in that scene, but now that I'm working on it and I'm like in their voice or I'm, you know the secondary person, they're not following it. So then things start to change. And that's like, you know, that happens. And then you start updating your outline or you don't have an outline. So you're just like kind of going with that. And then revising is fun because that's where you can fix all those little things.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel you. And no, I'm a hundred percent. Like I'll be right in the throes of like a very meticulously plotted out thing. And then suddenly a character's like, I'm actually going left. Come if you want. And I'm like, cool. All right. <laughs> just... <laughs>
0: I get it. <laughs> it like, Can you talk but, a little bit more about the magic system of the world? Cause I also, yes. I like, I love magic world building. Uh, oh, and I'm always curious, like what influences the choices that you make uh, in, in giving every, like everybody has magic, as you said, but like people also have like concentrated abilities called branch magics and the different types of branch magics that exist. Like, how much of that have you fleshed out? Uh, and what is your process like for creating all of that? I'm
2: so,
1: going go
0: to open up the doc because I love <laughs> your
1: magic system. <laughs>
2: um, so there are 12 different branches, right? Uh, and obviously, I kind of tied that to uh, you get your old. Lore as far as like 12 witches being a full coven, which kind of goes like to the apostles, things like that. We're not going to go into all that like origin mm-hmm. stuff because, you know, it's just like, ah, eh. um, but you have your 12 witches Twelve. for a full coven. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. So you have 12 branches, right? 12 possible branches on the tree. Um But each person gets their own different branch, right? Uh, and that kind of ties into everyone has something special about them, right? We all have like a unique skill, something that makes us different right? Something that we're just a little bit better at than other people, or that we enjoy a little bit more than other people. So that was the idea of branches. But roots, there are four of those, and that's the four corners of witchcraft, right? You know, Um, everyone has their four roots, right? Four root magics, telekinesis, levitation, banishment, and sensory. Um, And that's like, they're all very cool abilities, in my opinion, but because we all have it and we can all do it, it's just kind of like, meh, whatever. Anyone can do that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, can anyone do that? Anyone can be an athlete. But are we all athletes? <laughs> um, uh, not in this chat. <laughs> <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> and uh, And then obviously not everyone has a branch. Right. Because there are characters in the story who do not have branch magic. That is a thing, you know. So what are you if you're not someone special? You know what I mean? Or you don't have that one special talent or you haven't found it. You know what I mean? Uh, So that's kind of like where my magic system tied into. And then obviously, like the 12 branches have their own unique leaves. Oh, my God. Why do you have so much magic? (laughs) Because like one that I'll go into is Guile and Layla right, they each have bestial magic, and she can transform into, like, this, like, cougar-like creature, whereas Gael has a familiar in the form of a rooster, (laughs) you know? Uh, So that's kind of fabulous there, right? So, like, they both have something animalistic in that realm of things, but it's drawn upon in very different ways. Uh, Another obvious one would be like primal magic, which is your elements. Mm -hmm. So we only have one character who has elemental magic. She possesses, like she can control fire, but there are people who can summon fire versus controlling it. There are -hmm. people who can control water or earth or air, things like that. You know, you have all your different elements, but it's all part of the primal branch, you know?
0: And is that just something that like you've been thinking about for a long time or when you decided to write the book, did you sit down and say like, I'm going to create this magic world
2: now oh. and I'm going to make some rules. <laughs> Both. Um, so it was tied obviously. Cause like it was supposed to be more of a secondary world. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, it was going to have this whole system and that's kind of like where I started thinking about my 12 branches uh, and my roots and I also had this other system where, where like classifications were different regiments, and I couldn't use it because I wasn't doing this whole secondary component of like a whole military world, government, things like that. And so I ended up pulling that and putting that in the Misfit Mage. Uh, well, uh-huh. I ended up having to make some changes, but I liked Boy, my regiment titles. Cause there was like the Vanguard and you know, the archivist and the, uh sentinels and the, this and that. I was like, Oh, I like these. What can I do with them? I'll put them here. <laughs> you know? Um, that's such a cool thing to do though. Like as an
0: author to know that, like you had to kill your darlings in one book, but like I can bring them back later.
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess I, nothing is ever truly dead when it comes to like writing stuff. Like, at least for me, like if I have a really cool idea, like, a huge chunk of a book has to be chopped out. I can Frankenstein that into something else, especially if I'm like really into it. I'm like, this it's never truly gone. I'm just putting it in a folder.
2: <laughs> right? Because we will resurrect you.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And you got necromancy too, apparently. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah no, I, I love that the magic system is like, you go back to it being like a unique thing, like everyone manifests. The branch a little bit different. So you can have an animal component, but it's not going to be the same between like two people. It's going to be like different, just like a person would interpret something differently. So that's Mm -hmm. just, I I like that a lot. That's really cool.
2: Oh, yeah. So speaking of people manifesting things differently, a little bit of a spoiler. Um, so if you don't want to hear that, just, ah, but I won't go too into detail. I'm drafting the newest book in the series. Mm -hmm. And there's another character who's been introduced with clairvoyance, but they, uh, don't see the future the same way as Milo. Like they actually have to do a tarot spread. So they need the support tools of tarot magic in order to see their glimpses of the future. And I try to talk about support tools a lot because I think, like, that's an important thing is, like, we all have access and ability. And some of us just need, like, it's not about giving someone an edge it's about leveling the playing field like Catherine has an amazing magic but she has to use a grimoire you know melanie can control fire but she needs her lighter you know what i mean to spark mm-hmm. the flame so like there's things like that and i really love that component of someone oh yep i have the same magic as milo except i need a tool to use it
1: uh-huh. mm-hmm. oh that's cool i i mean i I'm, I'm a sucker for tarot anyway like I, I i don't know how to read them or anything i like getting tarot <laughs> readings and i love the decks are so cool so i'm I'm already invested. Like pre-order that shit. I'm excited.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you always know you wanted to write queer stories?
2: Uh, yes, no, maybe, uh, it's like, what was it not intentional? Um, now everything I write is queer. Like I want it to be queer. I want it to like, just like everyone just gay, just make it, you know, just make (laughs) Um, it
1: gay. Love it.
2: Yeah. Uh, when I first started writing when I was younger I tried like I guess you know your little special girl who finds herself in the new world and everything's cool and she meets the tall dark and handsome guy you know because uh, I didn't know I could write queer stories right you know and then when I got back into writing, I kind of delved into like that same avenue because and then I started finding more queer stories and more queer stories. And a lot of them were trad, more are in the indie avenue. You know what I mean? And it's just like now I'm like, write what you want, do what you want, love what you want. Like, that's what matters. Like, you know, so, yeah, yeah. put
1: out the stories that you want to see in the world kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure. Make it all queer.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, there's not enough, but there are still, there are quite a few authors making their living, uh, living by that motto, just make it gay, you know, and and so many of them, uh, the people we've talked to, as well as like other people I've met in the industry, like they started just like you did, which was writing fan fiction. Like that was their way of making the world that they wanted to see come alive in writing. And now they get to do it professionally.
2: Right. (laughs)
0: right uh so last thing i want to talk about before we let you go is uh we are producing your book in audio it's being recorded right now um why did you want to have an audiobook
2: what made you apply well so accessibility is a big thing i have had people ask me about like you know will there ever be an audiobook and it's like i love them i think they're fantastic because I wish I had as much time as I could to read whatever I could but audiobooks are fantastic in that notion of you know and it's just a different level of escape and honestly truly I want to hear my my students I they're not my students they're Dorian students but I want to hear their voices I want to I want to hear Milo's minxy comments I you know I just want to see like how that's brought to life. like that's just such a joy and like so I might have listened to chapter one sample like four or five mm. times now, you know, and am going, ah, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: I mean, right. obviously I can't, I don't know the experience of an author listening to an audiobook, but I am, I have heard <laughs> from many of them that they enjoy hearing their words come to life.
1: It is otherworldly. I mean, I it, like I've, I've had a couple and they're all done by Kurt, but like we just did Ethan and Jag and I'm proofing it. I was sitting there vibrating with excitement, just being able to hear it and audio. And I've, I've heard him read my books before, but it's always cool. It's always just like this hell. Cause it's like, you're listening to, or you're hearing it for the first time, even though you read, or like you wrote the damn book, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's such a cool feeling. So I totally get it. And yeah, once you're going to love it, like I'm proving it right now. And I'm just like, I'm so immersed into it. So when you get to hear it, you're going to be like, you'll probably cry. I cried. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like part of, I mean I, it's going to be a surprise to nobody that like I endorse audiobooks. Um <laughs> but like I do just think they're such a cool art form um in how collaborative they are at a base level of like the thing I do doesn't exist unless somebody's already created it's created their own form of art you know. Uh it's like if a sculptor was asked to add clay to somebody else's sculpture and then like turn it into something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, which there is always that part of me too that's like, well, I hope the first artist is happy with the thing I'm slapping onto their, <laughs> you know, already completed art form. Um, so it in that way it is both very cool, very collaborative, and also sometimes a little scary. And I yeah. I I'm waiting, I guess, to meet the author who's like, yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> I don't think
1: it's going to happen. I I would be shocked if you get somebody who's like, it's okay, I guess. Like yeah. I think you have to be in love with audiobooks if you are putting the time and effort or the collaboration, you know, situation into having something like that developed. Like, I think you have to inherently love that art form to want your stories to be part of it. At least that's how I feel about it. Like, how can you not fall in love with that?
2: (laughs) Oh, agreed. And something I really like about audiobooks is, and enthusiasm is not the word that I'm looking for, but I'm not a very smart writer, so you won't find me come up with a better word. Um, But there's a level of enthusiasm. <laughs> yes, we're gonna we're gonna run with it. We're gonna hey, run we're with to it right sell now. Sell your
0: book here, dude.
2: <laughs> so there's a level I'm of enthusiasm. Not a very good writer <laughs> from the narrators, right? That they bring into the story because there have been books that I've tried reading, and like I've put them down for whatever reason. I just could not get into it. But then maybe later you grab an audiobook cause you grabbed like a whole selection of specials and you forgot that that was one of the books that you just couldn't get into. And you're like, you know what, I'll try it. Or, oh, I like this narrator, I'll try it. You know, <laughs> and then you listen and you become enveloped into this story that might not otherwise have meshed with you. And I'm sure the opposite happens too. Like maybe something that you read and you really create like an animated voice in your head. And then you try to listen and it doesn't work. But, like, Mm -hmm. I have found the layer of if I can't get into a book, sometimes I can. If I listen to someone, just paint it, you know, in my mind. So,
0: (laughs) well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking more about Three Meant to Be. Our listeners can look forward to having that uh, delivered to them if they're a member of our Patreon uh, the last Friday of January, January 26th. uh, And, yeah we hope we hope people love it as much as we've enjoyed making it
2: thank you so much for having me
0: thank you so much to em and bennett for chatting with us we really enjoyed getting to pick his brain mm-hmm. a little bit more about the story uh, and the way he crafts his magic systems and the world building. It was a fun conversation.
1: It was a lot of fun. I appreciated him letting me just geek out for mm-hmm. a little bit and ask about clairvoyancy and stuff. It, yeah. was, it was really cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, you can find all of his social media links in the episode notes and you can listen to his audiobook next week Mm -hmm. if you are a subscriber to this uh patreon uh to all the listeners who have been tagging us when you promote the show on social media once again we thank you guys for helping spread the word we're so grateful for your support uh if you want to help promote the show you can find all of our social media in the show notes for this episode or at our website hoofandfangpodcast.com uh and yeah we will be back next week bye bye bye